0: Lord, we bless you, we love you, we thank you, because you're here, Lord, and now we ask you to speak to us. I pray you challenge us by your word, I pray your word, God, may push us and propel us to be, be the people you've called us to be, God. And I ask you this, Lord, in your name we pray, amen. Go with me to the second book of Kings, second Kings, <clears throat> chapter number two. Second Kings chapter two. I'm going to read. A lengthy amount of verses, and as you find Second Kings chapter 2, I, I heard that today we have some, uh, some young people from our Wednesday night service that never been through a Sunday service before, and their parents don't come to this church, but Pastor Jonathan has been ministering to them, in parentheses, harassing them to come to church on Sundays, and they're here today. I want all of the Wednesday folk that are here to please stand. Please stand if you're here Wednesday night and this first time. Amen. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 and on. It says, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here in Gilgal. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came to Elijah and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. If that was a Puerto Rican talking, that so be quiet is... (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Then Elisha said to him, For a second time, stay here. Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, Surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went up to Jericho. And the company of prophets at Jericho went to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, Mind your business. Then Elijah said to him for a third time, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. And so I want you to muster the strength you have and touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, staying is not an option. Tell him. No, 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 no. He ain't here. You tell him staying is not an option. It's not an option. When I read this passage of Scripture, I need to tell you, I was a little perplexed. I was a little bothered with the Scripture. I was a little annoyed with the Scripture. With the character by the name of Elijah in Scripture. Because why would Elijah repeatedly tell, because he didn't ask him, he told him, he commanded him, tell him to stay, not one time, not two times, but three times. On three different geographic locations, he tells him to stay. Now, why was I upset? Because if you read the chapters before, you realize that the only reason why Elisha is following Elijah because Elijah told him to follow him. You don't believe me. Second, First Kings chapter 19, verse 19 says, So Elijah went there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Look what he was doing. He wasn't playing tic-tac-toe. He wasn't playing Tetris. He wasn't playing. Look, look what he was doing. He was plowing... With 12 yoke of oxen. What does that tell me? He was wealthy. What does that tell me? He had resources. What did he tell me? He was a man of business. He was a man of work. When Elijah finds Elisha, he finds him in his element. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So that tells me there were 12 oxen. There were 12 yoke of oxen, which means he had business. He was a philanthropist, entrepreneur. And he himself was driving the 12. Elijah went up to him, threw his mantle, or his cloak around him, and Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah And then he tells him, let me kiss my mother and my father goodbye, and then I will come with you. So the throwing of the cloak, the putting the cloak over Elisha was a way of telling Elisha, leave everything and become my servant and become my disciple. But to be my disciple, here is the condition. You have to abandon it all and follow me. Okay. Okay. So he says, let me kiss my mom and my dad, and I'll go with you. Verse 21, so Elijah left him, so Elijah left him and went back, he took his yoke of oxen, he slaughtered them. He destroyed it, as if to say, I am never coming back to do this again. Slaughtering is saying, "Is I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life, because coming back is not an option. He slaughtered the animals, and then he burned up the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate, and then he sent out to follow Elijah, and he became his servant. So I had a problem with that text, because after I left everything, I burned everything, I gave it up. Now you're telling me, stay here. Time out. Whoa, 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 whoa. So you, to me, you need to tell me that now you want to go someplace else and you want me to stay stuck here and I can't even go back home because everything I had, I gave it. I burned it. I destroyed it. So the question is, why is Elijah putting Elijah in that paradox? Why? Why? Let me tell you something about God, church. Sometimes God will position you and I in a conflictive crossroads. Check this out. Because he wants you to reflect on the things you've lost and the things you left behind. Because what he has for you is greater than the things you had behind you. And God, and God will put you in a position where he will not show you what he has for you. But he will call you to stay, to cause you to think everything you've lost, to then come to the conclusion, is it still worth following Jesus? Is it still worth moving forward? Am I still going to follow a God who hasn't shown me anything, and now he's telling me to stay? This is one of the problems with Christians nowadays, and people. We live in a society that the last thing we want to do is stay and wait. We don't like to wait. Uh-uh. I like her. She ain't responding. To, next. And we're going to have another girl on Instagram. But we gotta be the kind of people that understands the power of waiting. The power of waiting. Let me explain to you the power of waiting. <laughs> A good pernil. You can smoke pernil a mile away. Pernil in English, is that pork loin? What do you call that? Pork pork roast. There you go, that. When when my when when, when there's pernil in a oven and you walk in and your mouth gets watery, right, right. And you look into the glass, right? That little glass and you like and the pernil's like, you want some of this, right? You want some <laughs> of this. The penile is right there like, right? But there, there's something about, there's a sign. There's a, there's a way you know when the penile is ready to eat. And that's when the, the fat, the, 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 the skin gets crispy and brownish, right? And you're looking at the glass, but it's still not crispy yet. So that tells you it's not time. Now, what happens if you open the oven when the meat is not cooked and you take a bite out of that? It don't matter how good it smells. If it's raw, it ain't going to do no good. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes we see ourselves and we see God's promise in the oven, but we don't want to wait because we're so enticed by the smell that we don't want to allow the process to take its place. And I'm going to tell you, Wait. Don't put the fork in it when it's still raw because you're going to get sick and digestion problems. But if you wait. That's what the Bible says. Those that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. When you wait, when you wait, what you're telling God is, I I, I, I could open it now, but I'm going to do it premature. And if I do it premature, I will not be able to handle what you have for me. But if I learn how to wait, the waiting process not only benefits the meat, but it benefits me. It makes me stronger. It makes me more, more, more able to trust in God's word. And I'm here to tell you today, look at your penile in the spirit and have the capacity to smell it, to water your mouth. And not touch it until God says, Now is the time. And in between the promise and your past, just wait on the Lord. And so Elijah tells Elisha, Stay here. And he tells him four places to stay. And those are the four places I'm going to talk about today. And we're going to go. Home. He tells him, When they got to Gilgal, he says, stay here, for the Lord is calling me to go to Bethel. And then he says, when they get to Bethel, stay here, for the Lord is calling me to go to Jericho. And then when they get to Jericho, he says, stay here, for the Lord is calling me to go to the Jordan. Four levels. But I want to speak to people today understand that staying behind is not an option what does that first place represent? Gilgal the Bible says that Elijah went with Elijah to Gilgal and at Gilgal Elijah tells Elijah stay here what does Gilgal represent Gilgal is the place of responsibility responsibility let me give you context the people of Israel for 400 years this is exodus in the bible 400 years they were slaves for 400 years after the 400 years God's bring Moses delivers them out of slavery Egypt takes them into the wilderness and for 40 years they're journeying around the wilderness Until God finally takes them into their promised land. Now understand, Gilgal is the place of responsibility. Why? Let's read the scripture. Joshua chapter 5 verse 9 says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This is the story I narrated. Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated Passover. That day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, which is unleavened bread and roasted grain. Look look at verse 12. The manna stopped. The day after they ate this food from the land, there was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. For 40 years, while they were in the wilderness, God provided them manna. What is manna? Manna was bread that God brought from heaven. And every morning, every morning, the Bible says that God will cause a a dew on the earth. And out of that dew that would rise, they would take that and, and process it and turn it into bread. And for 40 years, God provided them food to eat. For 40 years, when they got tired of eating manna, God gave them manna and then God gave them meat. And they ate meat. Then God caused water to come out of a rock, and they drank water from a rock for 40 years. Everything they ate and everything they drank was provided by God. Everything they ate and everything they drank was God making a way for them. But now when they got to Gilgal, the Bible says when they made it to Gilgal, the manna stopped. As if to say, in this level in your life, I am no longer going to make a way for you because now you are prepared to make a way for yourself. The moment they entered Gilgal, the manna ceased. Because what was good for them in the wilderness is not good for them in Jericho. It's not good for them in Gilgal. It's not good for them in Bethel. And it's not good for them at the Jordan. He says, I gave you manna in the wilderness because that's what you needed to eat. Why did God give them manna? Because before those four, 40 years they were, they were in the wilderness, there were 400-year slaves. And as a slave, you don't have a right to pick whatever you want to eat. Slaves have to eat whatever the masters give them. And they were eating Egyptian food. They were eating cursed food, food dedicated to their gods. And so the manna became a detox diet that God was giving them to clean them on the inside. God was giving them a manna that was going to detox everything they ate and everything they they swallowed and everything they drank. Let me tell you, you, sometimes God is putting you through your desert. And and let me tell you, from from the desert to, to, um, to Gilgal literally would have taken them two and a half weeks. It took them 40 years. God had them going in circles for 40 years, for 40 years. Why? Because they were still detoxed. If God didn't detox them in the wilderness for 40 years, they would have went into the promised land acting like slaves, thinking like slaves, thinking like the enemy. So God had to detox them. And I'm going to tell you, church, that God has given some of us here, God has been giving us manna and manna and manna and manna and manna. And you've been in church five years, 10 years, 12 years. And let me tell you, the manna has to stop. And now you got to transition from manna to eating food to get you ready for a fight. Listen, I like to watch MMA. I like to watch UFC. UFC I was going to say UCF. I like to watch UFC, right? Those guys, when they fight, you know, you know when they go fight, they don't be eating panil and pork chops and chuletas and, and bacalaitos. They can't eat that. Uh-uh, they can't eat chicken nuggets. Those guys, when they're going to go to fight, they got to eat a special diet. They got to eat a special food because the food they're going to eat is going to give them the nutrition they need so that when they stand on on, on the battlefield and when they stand in the octagon and when they stand to fight, the food on the inside will give them the resistance not only to counterpunch but to receive a blow. And I'm here to tell you, church, you've been eating eating spiritual milk all these years, but God is telling you if you want to be able to go into your Gilgal, you got to understand that the manna will stop. You got to understand that God has a better, bigger, stronger diet for you and the only way you can enter to that place is if you're willing to do away with what was good for you for the past and enter to a new realm where God wants to take you higher to the glory of his name they had nothing to do with the manna they just benefited from the provision but to eat in Gilgal the bible says they had to work it in manna everything came for free in Gilgal, you need, you need to be responsible with what God gives you. In, 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 in the desert, with the manna, everything was for free. And God wants to transition us from living life in the manna experience to living life at Gilgal, where we take ownership. God wants to take you to a place where you can grow. God wants to take you to a place where you can mature. God wants to take you to a place where it flows milk and honey and grapes. God wants to take you to a place where bigger, greater, and stronger things will happen. And so the prophet is telling Elisha, Papa, Papa, stay here. Stay here. He said, no, 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 Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. I ain't leave my father's house and I ain't killing my animals for this, Uh uh-uh. I ain't going back to that, Uh uh-uh. I'm going to grow. And if you're growing, I'm growing with you. So the first place, the first place. You need to go to is through Gilgal, which is a place of responsibility. I can't eat from the fruit of the land if I don't work the soil. I can't eat from the grapes if I don't plant seeds. I can't eat from the promised land if I don't work it. And so for every one of you who are pursuing and believing that God has bigger and greater things for you, my question to you is, what are you sowing? You can't go to Gilgal with manna. Uh-uh. You cannot go into Gilgal eating bread from the wilderness. you got to go into the promised land with the right diet. And so Elijah says, live the Lord and live you. I'm not going to stay here. And so Elijah takes him to the next realm, to the next level. Because the quintessential question that I asked you this morning is leaving and staying is not an option. So he says, Papa, stay in Gilgal. At least you're not In the desert, stay in Gilgal. no, 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 no. Live, God, and live you, that wherever you go, I will follow you. And then he says, okay, all right, all right, all right. So come with me. Then the Bible says that from Gilgal, he tells them, they make it to Bethel. And when they get to Bethel, Elijah tells Elijah, Elisha, stay here at Gilgal, for the Lord is calling me to Bethel. And what does Elijah says? Staying in Gilgal is not an option. Uh Uh-uh. Now what does Bethel represent? Bethel is the place of vision. Gilgal is the place of responsibility. Bethel is the place of vision. Let me give you the, 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 the biblical undergird. Genesis 28 verse 10 and on says, Jacob left Beersheba. That's not a woman. That's a place. And set out... For Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head as a pillow and he lay down to sleep. Look at what happened. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and said, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying on. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. You, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely this is the Lord, the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it when he was afraid. I'm sorry, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The, this house of God, and gate of heaven. Verse 18, early the next morning, Jacob took up a stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, through the, though the city used to be called Luz. So what does Bethel represent? The place a vision. The place where he sees what God is doing in the is coming down in the earthly. And I'm going to tell you, church, I'm going to tell you, church, there's a process God is taking us through. There's a process God is wanting. God is endeavoring taking you and I because he wants, listen, some of us, some of us here today, We've been hearing God has something, God has something, God's gonna do something, God's gonna do something, God's gonna do something, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been asking God when, and you've been asking how, and you've been asking him through who. And here today the Lord is telling you, I am gonna do it if you make it your business to find a way to get to Bethel. If you find a way to get to Bethel. Now, here's the deal: All Jacob did when he got to Bethel was get a rock, lay his head on it, and go to sleep. Now, why was Jacob laying his head on a rock and sleeping, why? Because he was being persecuted by his brother Esau because he had deceived his brother, stole his birthright, stole his blessing, and Esau's out to kill him and Jacob is running for his life and in, in his in his endeavors to run away and not be killed he goes into a place of rest and when he goes into a place of rest the Bible says that he has this vision he sees a dream and he sees angels coming and, and descending and going up and I'm here to tell you church, in your moments of despair, in your moments of persecution in your moments when the enemy rises against you. The only thing you need to do is find a place to rest in the promises of God. In the moments of your challenges, don't go crazy. Find your Bethel and lay your head on a rock. What rock? Jesus is the rock of ages. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. In the middle of your oppression, in the middle of your battle, just lay on the Lord and trust in the Lord and He will fight your battles. He says, stay at Gilgal. Place of responsibility. No, I want more. Staying is not an option. Then he tells them, "Sad Bethel, place of vision. Stay here. Cause here, you know, you know, you know, you know, a, a, a lot of people like to stay at Bethel. Because at Bethel you could see. It's crazy. When Moses sends the spies to, conquer, to, to to spy the land, he sent 12 spies. Out of the 12 was Joshua and Caleb. The 12 spies. Spies went over into the promised land. They were looking over the hills and they were looking and they were seeing the promised land. And when they came back, they said, Oh, MG. The fruit there is unbelievable. The grapes are this big. It's unbelievable. Oh, my God. What we saw and what we saw and what we saw was amazing. And then, and then out of the 12, only two said, We can, keep, we can conquer the land. But the other tent said, Oh, it's beautiful, it's big, the fruit is big, but we can't conquer it and we can't fight it and we don't got what it takes. There's a lot of Christians living a Christian life just by sight. Oh my God, God is so good, this is so amazing, but you're not willing to take a step of faith because let me tell you, in order to see your vision come into a reality, you got to be willing to go through a fight. In order to see what God has shown you in your spirit come to pass, you got to roll your sleeve and get ready to rumble. But many people prefer to stay from a distance and glance at what could be instead of walking in to their destiny and their promise and their purpose in God. Elijah tells them, stay here in the place of vision. Stay here. At least you can see stay here, come to church every Sunday and see God move and see the presence of God moving. Come, come at Bethel and sit down and you can see and see and see and go home and do nothing and come back and see and go home and do nothing and come back and see and go home and do nothing and come back and see. see. But I'm here to tell you, there's more waiting for you. Elijah says, -uh. uh-uh, staying is not an option. Uh Uh-uh. I don't just want to see it, I want it. And so from going to Bethel, he says, when they get to Bethel, Elijah tells Elijah, stay here in Bethel, for the Lord is calling me to Jericho. Listen to me. Now what does Jericho represent? Jericho is the place of battle. It's the place of fight. It's the place of struggle. We all know the story, Joshua chapter 6, but for those of you that are here for the first time, let me read it to you. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, who was in the wilderness, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams, horns, and in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times, to there's a total of 13 times, with the priests blowing their trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the city, the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. God, through the prophet tells Elijah, stay here, man. Because where I'm going, you're going to have to be ready to fight. To go to Jericho, church, we got to be willing to fight. But it's easier to stay at Bethel and just see and watch. But if you notice, every stage of progression comes with a greater challenge. Greater challenge. Now, they got to be willing to fight. You know what's crazy about the story of Jericho? That the way... Joshua and the Israelites won this battle. It was not with swords. It was not with spears. It's not with javelins. They won this battle with the greatest weapon, one of the greatest weapons ever. One, check this out obedience. Two, worship. Worship is a weapon. Obedience is a weapon. You could be a great worshiper, and if you don't obey God, you're a horrible believer. Worshipers obey. What, the, what does the Bible say? He says, I prefer obedience over sacrifice. So God tells Joshua, which by the way, Joshua was he was no joke, he was a fighter. He was that dude was like, 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 like he was a combination of Van Dam, Van Diesel, and Van Who. I don't know who somebody else. He was, he was, he was, he was a fighter. And God tells him, for this fight, all I want you to do is walk around the walls. Walk around the walls. And he's walking day one. And at the end of the walk, he's ready. No, 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 no. Good night. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Good night. And there's a fighting spirit in Joshua. He wants to fight. But this battle the weapons of this battle are not carnal. The weapons of this battle are spiritual and mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And, and so day two, they all wake up. They all put on the shield and their armor and their swords and their helmet and their breath And they're ready to fight. Walk again. You got to see thousands of soldiers <tick, tick, tick, tick. making all this noise. Now, now under, oh, understand this. Why would God have? The soldiers and the army of Israel go around the city six days early in the morning and seven times on the seventh day. Why would it do that? 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 It do that? Ah, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because when they would walk, they had armor. When, 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 if you were living in the times of the Bible, you can tell when an army was coming. Because when they would walk, Their 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 equipment was made out of metal, and silver, and it was. So imagine early in the morning, while you're sleeping behind the walls of Jericho, you hear an army outside the wall. And for six days, they were waking up, terrorized by the sound of an army they couldn't see because the walls didn't let them see them. So what happened when the seventh day came? They now didn't walk one time. They walked seven times, seven times, seven times, seven times. And by the time they did their seventh to seventh turn, Gato, now, now, put your swords away and open your greatest weapon. Your greatest weapon is in your mouth. And they began to shout, and they began to sing, and they began to praise. And the Bible says that while they were praying, praying, the walls came crumbling. I was studying this last week and one of the commentators said that when the walls fell down, it's not the way we, we think. We think that the walls start cracking and cracking and then little rocks are falling. But one of the commentators said that as they started shouting, it wasn't that the walls cracked and broke down. The walls literally began to go flat into the ground, into the ground, into the ground. So the more they were shouting, the more the walls were going lower and lower And Lord, and some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all are this close from your miracle, but you got to understand to use your greatest weapon, which is your mouth, because the more you praise, the more the enemies will be under your feet. The more you give God glory in the middle of opposition, you got to keep God praising and keep God praising, and the more you see God make a way, that's the higher your praise has got to be, and the moment you see God make a way, that's the greater you got to shout, because soon, or later, soon after a while, what was above you will be below you, and you will walk into your promise. Listen to me. But Jericho is the place of battle. Jericho is the place of war. But this war you win it through obedience and through worship. And Elijah tells Elijah, Stay, don't go to Gil, don't go to Jericho. Stay in Bethel. Keep visioning. Keep seeing things. Keep dreaming. No, 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 no. If you're not willing to fight for your dreams, then you have no dreams. If you're not willing to fight for your visions, then what you have is hocus pocus. But when you have a dream, when you have a vision, you're willing to fight for it. You're willing to go to Jericho and look a fool to become who God wants you to be. And so Elijah says, Papa, staying behind is not an option. And so when they get to Jericho, Elijah tells Elijah, stay here because I'm going to the Jordan." And Elisha replies, not an option. The Lord live and so live you that I will not leave you. What does the Jordan represent? The Jordan is the place of double portion. Jordan is the place of power. Jordan is the place of endowment. Jordan is the place where Elijah received a double portion of the prophet Elijah. It's the place where now God says, because you've been faithful at Gilgal, because you've been faithful at Bethel, because you've been faithful at Jericho, and you've been faithful to get to this point, I'm going to give you not a portion, double portion. This is me place of the portion verse 6 through 10 says then Elijah said to him stay here the Lord has sent me to Jordan and he said surely as the Lord lives and you live I will not leave you and so the two of them walked on let me tell you there are benefits in staying there are benefits in staying church look what happens verse 7 Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elijah had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah Elijah took his cloak, the one he first gave him, and then he took back. He, Elijah was an Indian giver. The one he gave him and took back because he went through the process of Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and Jordan. Now, verse 8, Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. And the water divided right, to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry land. Verse 9, when they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, you have asked a difficult thing. Elijah said, yet if you see me, When I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will be not. So Jordan is the place of double portion. But even in Jordan, you still got to follow. Even in Jordan, you still got to be following Christ. Even in Jordan, you still got to be persistent. He says, Papa, I'll give it to you. But keep following me. And many people don't want to go through this process. You know why? Because the process of Jericho is painful. The process of Bethel is difficult. And the process of Gilgal is is hard to change your diet. And I'm here to tell you that there are those right now that don't want to go to Gilgal because they want to continue eating from the manor from the desert. And there are those that want to stay in Bethel because they don't want to surrender their agenda and they don't want to stop living their lives and seeing what God has for them. There are those that don't want to go to Jericho because they're afraid to fight. Because they don't have spiritual authority and worship to defeat their enemies. But I'm here to tell you that there are those that are at the Jordan experience. But it's not enough to get to Jordan. You've got to open the waters and cross over. You've got to open the waters and get to the other side. And it wasn't until Elijah crossed the Jordan that Elijah asked him, Papa, 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 what do you want? And he said, I want what you got, but I want it double. I want double. I want more. And this is how we got to be as believers. We want more. We have to want more. And every time we come to church, Lord, thank you for today, but I want more. Give me more. I want a double portion. But to get more, here's what you have to do. You have to finish what you start. You have to be consistent. And let me tell you, God is good at finishing what he started. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says he is the alpha and the omega. We can't just live in the alpha of God. We got to live in the omega of God. We got to let God finish his work in us. So to hear this question, you have to go through every level and be faithful in every level. And in every level, you're going to find a school of prophets. That's going to tell you, oh, you know, your prophet's leading you. In every level, Elijah found a group of people that were whispering in his ear, intimidation, and fear. And in every level, you got to say, yeah, I heard that, but shut up. I'm moving forward. In every level, you got to move forward and believe God. Above the comments and the negativity spirit of other people, you got to move forward. Because each level will prepare you for a double portion. So The question is, what are you going to do? With that double portion. Oh, God, I want it. I want it. What you going to do with it? Oh, God, give me more. Oh, God, I want more. What you going to do with it? 2 Kings 2, 11, 14 says, as they were walking along and talking together. Look how, it, look how it happened. Look how it happened. Elijah didn't have a ceremonial service. Okay, Elisha, today is the day to give you double. No, as they were walking along and talking together. The double portion God has for you comes as you walk on a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen because you come on a Sunday, put some oil on you and pray over you. Oh, I got it. No, walk with Jesus. Walk with you. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Check this out. Elijah saw this and cried out. My father, my father, chariots of horsemen of Israel, and Elijah saw him no more. And then he took hold of the garment, the cloak, he he took off his garment that he had on, and he ripped it in two. And then Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him. And went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now was the Lord of God, of the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left. And he crossed over. It's, it, we got to be careful in Jordan. That we don't make Jordan and turn it into a monument. And turn it into a cathedral. God don't give us Jordan experiences for us to stay at the other side of the Jordan and just enjoy everything. You know, God says, no, 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 no. What are you going to do with this cloak? And you know what Elijah, Elijah did? He, he opened the waters back. He crossed over to the other side because now he has a double portion that God has entrusted him to minister to who? To those that were talking about him. To those who rejected him. Listen to me. God is calling you to strike the cloak over your Jordan. God is calling you to strike your cloak over the thing that God had used to protect you, to give you that. Now go back and do what God called you to do. Listen to me. God is calling people to go back. To go back where? From Jordan. Go back to Jericho. Go back to the place of your fight. Go back. Because now you're going to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. God would allow you to be seen by those who tried to discourage you. And God will take you back to the place where everybody didn't believe in you and belittled you and your calling, but now you're going to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're going to see you operating in the spirit of Elijah. So, as I close, Elijah passed his ministry in Elisha only under the condition that Elijah followed the process. Elisha became a disciple of Elijah. He abandoned it all. Elisha left everything to follow Elijah. Are you willing to leave everything for Jesus? Are you willing to abandon everything for Jesus? Because if you do, then he'll give you a double portion of his spirit. But you know what's sad about Elijah? Elijah, the main one, the first one, he passed down the cloak to Elijah. The mistake that Elijah did was that he never passed the cloak to someone else. He kept it. He died without transferring that double portion. He died with all this power. And never passed it on. And look who benefited from this double portion. Second Kings chapter 13, and I close. It says, verse 21. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elijah's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Elisha failed. In transferring the anointing to the next generation. He failed. He was faithful in Gilgal, faithful at Bethel, faithful at Jericho, faithful at Jordan. But he failed in transferring to the next generation. And I want to tell you, church, that there is an Elisha waiting for you to lead them. There's an Elisha waiting for you to pour into them while God has poured into you. There is an Elijah that needs to hear how God made a way for you in your Gilgal, in your Bethel, in your Jericho, and in your Jordan. There's a people right now that need to hear your story. The mantle didn't just fall from heaven for you not to pass it on. He gave it to you to pass it on to others. Don't, listen to me, listen to me. Elijah died with all this power, with all of his gifts. Don't you dare die with all your gifts. You know, the people here are so anointed and so gifted in this church. And you haven't used it yet? Let me tell you, no, I'm waiting when I get to heaven, or oh, I'm gonna sing. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Your gifts is worthless in heaven. God didn't give you gifts for heaven. Your voice can not impress God in heaven. You know how many singles and angels in heaven can sing a million times better than you? God don't need your talents in heaven. He don't need your gifts in heaven. He don't need it. He needs your gift and your talents here on earth to bless others and pour it unto others and give it unto others and sow of yourself in others. So if going backward is not an option, then moving forward should push you to bless others and empower others. So what are you going to do with this power? What are you going to do with the anointing? What are you going to do with this gift? What are you going to do it? Look what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says that when He resurrected, He resurrected with all power in His hand. He had the keys of the gates of hell in His hands. He resurrected with power. The Bible says He was He was resurrected in a glorified body. And you know what Jesus could do? Jesus could have just popped up to heaven and say, "Later, holla, peace, I'm out." He didn't just go to heaven. Do you know what He did? Let me show you what He did. John. John, John tells us, the gospel according to John, the the Bible says that John took his disciples and look what he did. he He blew in them the spirit of the Holy Spirit. And then after he blew in them the Holy Spirit, shortly after he went to heaven. He didn't take that power with him to heaven. Jesus gave that power to his disciples. And then he told them, now wait, stay in Jerusalem until you be in Endowed with the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Remember my witnesses, you're there, Samaria, and until the end of the world. But, but the, the point is, Jesus could have gone to heaven with all of that power, and all that spirit, but he blew it on his disciples. He blew it in them, he gave it to them. He said, Now what I have received, I give unto thee. Church, everything God has given you is so that you can pass it on to others, that you can transmit it to someone else. So remember how God was safe with you in Gilgal. Remember how God was safe for you in Bethel. How God was safe with you in Jericho. And how God was safe with you in Jordan. Now take all that and pass it to somebody else. And love somebody else. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. If you're here, friend, and somebody brought you to church, and you need Jesus, because the first step, to the, before you can go to Gilgal, you got to go to Jesus. Before you can go to Jericho, you got to go to Jesus. So if you're here today and you want Jesus, Jesus can take you by the hand and usher you from level to level, from stage to stage, from purpose to purpose. So if you want Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand like a rocket to the sky. You're going to shoot it up and you're going to say, I want Jesus. So all over this room, would you please close your eyes and bow your heads. If you want Jesus... Don't be embarrassed, don't be afraid. You're making the best decision of your life to make Jesus the companion in your journey. If that's you all over this room, at the count of three, raise your hand. Here we go, one, two, three, lift your hands. I see one hand, I see two hands. I see three hands, I see four hands. To the glory of God, come on, put those hands. I see five hands, to the glory of God. I see six hands, to the glory of God. Come on, put those hands together.